Hello and welcome back to the Spacemen from Pluto podcast. I'm your host this week, James, and joining me is... Ben, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's Dan. And Christian. (laughs) (laughs) Right, but before we get started, boys, I think we need to, you know, just step back and have a moment's silence for Christian's virtual backgrounds, which we have unfortunately lost during this new setup. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The the, the, uh, the laptop the won't let me. <laughs> Hopefully, they will be back at some point. But you know, for now, while mm. everything's a bit up in the air with everyone's setups, we are going to have to say goodbye to them. But don't worry, they will return. Yes. <laughs> anyway, this week we thought, uh, you know, 2020 was quite a disappointing year. Lots of plans cancelled, lots of letdowns. So why not continue that theme and just talk about some of the films that have disappointed <laughs> us the most ever? Does anyone want to, you know, we'll get straight into it, you know, this time. We're not going to bore you with what we've been watching. We're just going to head straight into this main topic. Oh. Does anyone want to take us away? You go. Host. Me go? Yeah, yeah, yeah Go on, start us off. All right, go, go on, on then, because uh, I'll be honest, this was not hard for me to think of at all. As soon as Ben pitched this idea, I was like, yep, got it. There is one film that disappointed me more than anything, and that's Suicide Squad. Like, just no. what a letdown that film was. So I think it's when we were talking about this, like, what makes the most disappointing film? It's like, it's not just it's a bad film. It's sort of like expectation versus, like, delivery. And boy, did that film not deliver. Because The Suicide Squad is a great concept. It's a really nice idea. You take villains, you force them, they have to do the tasks that the government don't want to get their hands dirty with, and the hero, it's below the heroes because it's a bit dark, but you want no accountability with it's a great idea this film is awful (laughs) (laughs) like and it's the thing that like it looked promising like it had a good cast it looked like it was going to have some good style and then it all just seemed to get thrown out the window as soon as the film started yeah a huge misunderstanding of its like the villains as well and what the suicide squad could do as a group that like the plot was too big for their roles absolutely you know like, they, the Suicide Squad works best when they're, like... Say, like, the government have fucked up and they've accidentally let some secrets get out. The Suicide Squad have to be sent over to enemy soil to get them back. And if it goes wrong, the government allowed... Like, well, we didn't send them. They're just off trying to steal secrets. No accountability. Instead of doing that kind of thing, they just went, let's have them save the world. No! Yeah. That's not what the Suicide Squad are for. What happened in that film is the kind of thing that would be dealt by the Justice League. No, I, I agree. Like... I see. I was gonna put Suicide Squad on my list, but then I was like, no, because I was disappointed before Suicide Squad came out. Because <laughs> Batman versus Superman happened, and one of the big complaints that lots of critics had with Batman versus Superman was, oh, it's it's too dark, it's too gritty, you know, it it's it's very, it's, it's you know, it's very brutal and violent. And then uh, I remember that the Warner Brothers' reaction to that was, well, we've ordered some reshoots on um, Suicide Squad to make it more lighthearted and fun. And it's like, no, that's not mm. what the Suicide Squad is. Yeah. Mm. It sounds like the they were trying to... probably the best bit of that film, like Captain Boomerang and stuff like that. It sounds like they were trying to go for the Guardians of the Galaxy feel, right? Like, they, they thought, this is a team of, you know, uh, unrelated kind of... Misfits. Uh, Misfits, yeah. exactly. Yeah, let's. What else is like that? Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, let's put some jokes in. And again, DC just copying Marvel and not doing their well, own thing. The, the problem was that they did the original sort of dark, gritty Suicide Squad that had still had jokes in, but was you know more in line with what DC was doing. Then they did the light-hearted reshoots, which apparently they did enough reshoots that it could have been made into a film itself. But what they did was they showed both of those films to target audiences uh, and, like, collected sort of people's general feelings on both of those films. And then instead of choosing the one that had the better reaction, they took the bits that people (laughs) liked from one, took the bits that people liked from the other, and spliced them together into this horrific Frankenstein's monster of an incoherent film. Uh, The thing is, I, I, I saw this film in the best 
possible atmosphere. I saw it on the midnight release in cinemas. There were people dressed up. Like, the atmosphere was great. And it's just a shame the film wasn't. <laughs> like, yeah, there were so should... many, like, Harley Quinns and Jokers there. I was like, oh, I bet you feel like a twat now. Yeah. yeah. It should have just been the Suicide Squad going after the Joker. Yeah. Da- you know. <laughs> I remember reading an interview yeah. with David Ayer and he was like, in hindsight, I probably should have made Joker the bad guy. And it's like, oh, in hindsight, in hindsight. <laughs> it's all Amanda Waller's fault as well, isn't it? It's it's all, it, it, it's all just because she lets Enchantress loose or something. And then she sends so the Suicide yeah, I, Squad I, to go salt, to, to cover up her fuck up. So it's not really like yeah. even a proper mission, really. I don't think... Yeah, I was gonna say it's like it's like you don't need the Suicide Squad if you don't put them together because they caused the whole problems in the first place, which isn't really what they do because the whole point of them is if they cause problems, you just sack them off, you get rid of them. Mm. <laughs> the, the 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 best uh, the best thing about the whole Suicide Squad is you know it introduces them and uh, they you know they obviously spent a lot of money on marketing for like each person to have their own poster and stuff, and I remember there was loads of like posters and stuff that feature uh, the the villain Slipknot on them, who's like the guy who can grapple and climb and that's his abilities he's really good at climbing and stuff, and the first thing he does in the film is punch a woman in the face, and then the second thing he does is go to use his powers to climb and his head explodes <laughs> <laughs> it, like, I I get what they were trying to do in that they were like oh, no, no no we mean business like we're gonna kill people off yeah you killed off someone that never heard of it doesn't mean anything <laughs> yeah. like who gives a shit mm. no one's favorite character in that film was slipknot before going in no one was disappointed <laughs> when he died however if you do want a really great suicide squad film assault on arkham the animated film is exactly the kind yeah. of thing that a suicide squad film should be it's really good I remember really enjoying that one. It's just it's just DC all over, isn't it? They've they've really got their yeah, it's great. Like DC have got their animated stuff down pat. They just need to bring that to live action. Maybe they should get the people who write the animated ones <laughs> to write the nah, nah, films nah, nah, that they want to sell people on. No, 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 no. Are you looking forward to the oh, Suicide Squad? I'm so excited for the Suicide Squad because it looks like. It's actually going to be good, but the problem is, what if it's what if it's the same thing again? What if I hype it up so much that it can <laughs> yeah. only ever disappoint me again? Personally, I really want it to uh, be shit, I'm just hoping... so James can hate it again, just for my own amusement. No, <laughs> let well, me love they... something. <laughs> well, my favorite thing was, like you said, Danny. They were like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go hard and we're gonna do our Guardians of the Galaxy." And then it didn't work out, so they were like, well, we still want to have our Guardians of the Galaxy, so how are we going to get it off the ground? And they're like, I know, we'll just hire the guy that did Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's exactly <laughs> what they've done. And chances are it'll probably be a pretty decent sort of photocopy of Guardians of the Galaxy with a few added little little bits. Go on, who wants to say, who, who else has been disappointed by a film in their life? I feel like this feels like more like therapy than a podcast now. <laughs> I'm just going to put my feet up. Go <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, on, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about the one at the top of my list, because I started thinking about, like, when, when the idea was pitched, I started thinking about this, and I was like, I've been disappointed by a lot of films, but to, to be fully disappointed, I had to have gone in expecting something great and come out with something that wasn't. So, you know, I wanted to talk about, like, Assassin's Creed again. But I didn't go in expecting a lot and was still disappointed with that one. <laughs> I expect nothing. And I'm still let down. Uh, whereas, one film that I went in with super high expectations and came out... I, I, it took me two weeks to develop even a sentence that could describe the film. Was uh, A Cure for Wellness. Oh, right. Okay. okay. Um, I don't know if any of you have seen A Cure I've not for Wellness. Seen it. I feel like I've heard of it, yeah. but I've not actually seen it. Um, Score Verbinski, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it was. It is. Um, yeah, it's Gore Verbinski who did the Pirates of the Caribbean films. Okay. Uh, he decided to not do a Pirates of the Caribbean film and do a horror film. Um, and I saw the first trailer, and it was sort of creepy and eerie, and it looked like a very slow burn mystery centric horror about uh, a mental institution that has something deeply going wrong with it and i was like right that's it 
I'm not going to watch any more trailers because I'm I'm scared that the studio are going to push this too much and spoil something. So I'll just go in knowing everything that I know off that trailer, which is barely anything. So I went in and I sat down and um, yeah, um, <laughs> I mean my 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 initial review of that film, um, that. Uh, the, the only word I could say to describe it afterwards was eels. 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 It was. Yeah. Um, basically, <laughs> it, it was the the first bit of that film really interesting. It's sort of intriguing, very slow burn, and pulls you into this mystery. Uh, then it gets to a point where I thought the film was going to end. I thought the film was going to end. Leave some stuff in the air sort of leave you to interpret some of the stuff that you've seen yourself. Um, But it didn't end. (laughs) It then carried on for a further 45 minutes where it over-explained the mystery Mm. to the point where every single detail had been forced into your mind and then ended with a giant CGI Pirates of the Caribbean sword fight through a burning mansion. Right. So and it, it, it like, sounds like it's just not got the tone right. Like it's no, like it's, the, the it's inter- chopping and changing. <laughs> the the last forty five minutes legitimately ruins the entire <laughs> film. So if they literally did a hard cut at the like forty five minutes left mark, do yeah. you think that would still work as a good it, film? I think so. Yeah, because it just stop watching it for there then. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. It, it's a it's a very nice mirror sequence because that they it's basically centered around this character who's come to sort of interview the head of the institute um, for a newspaper article I think it is um, and he comes in and he's talking to some of the patients and there's this sort of girl sat on a bench and he walks over and he's like there's there's clearly something wrong with this place so why don't you just leave and she turns looks up at him and goes why would i ever want to leave and smiles creepily and then the entire film goes on he slowly gets introduced to the institute and how they fix people and he sort of loses his mind and there's a point where she comes over having sort of stop taking her meds and sort of snapped out of it a bit and goes, come on, come on, we've got to get out of here, we've got to leave. And he looks up at her from the same bench and goes, why would I ever want to leave? And smiles, that's where I thought it was going to end. Right, okay. But no, it carries on for another, like, hour. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I, there, are, uh, there are so many films that need to know when to end. Yeah. It, it's, it's, two, it's two films that, again, like Suicide Squad, that have been spliced together. It's like a slow burn horror at the beginning and then literally Pirates of the Caribbean at the end. Right down to the fact that the bad guy like peels his face off and has a horrible CGI skull face. And then they have a sword fight through a burning down mansion and escape on a boat. And I was like, this it's... You, you've... You've done, like, four Pirates of the Caribbean films, and then we're like, I want to do something that's not Pirates of the Caribbean, and then made a Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> film. It's a, it's, it sounds like the wrong director for the sort of material, doesn't it? Yeah. The, the worst thing is, I, I'm pretty sure he wrote it as well. Uh, okay. Do you think the added to this stuff at the end might have been, like, the studio saying, you need to tap into your well? Do you think that was just yeah, the plan? Yeah, I was going to say... I'm not sure if it was his plan or maybe the studio watched his initial cut and were like, it's good, it's good, but we hired Gore Verbinski, you know, the guy who did Pirates of the Caribbean, so we want this to relate to people who really like Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. And he's like, but I've already made four of those. We have those already. (laughs) It's like, I've already made four of those, so why would I do that again? I, I, I like just as you were talking then, because when you were mentioning the trailers, I, I feel like this is such a big thing with film disappointments. It's the trailers. Do they catch the right tone and do they show too much? I feel like they're the two main issues that lead to disappointment for me with films. Either like like what you were saying, it, it makes you think like it's going to be this tone and then it's not. So it's like, oh, I, di- I didn't expect that. That's not what I came here for. Or a, a thing that Marvel have been awful for all the big set pieces are in the trailer. So you finish and go, I enjoyed that, but I kind of knew a lot of it already, which is just a shame. The worst thing that Marvel, um, in fact, superhero films in general, are are 
bad for it. Because um, I noticed it in Wonder Woman. Um, yep. Was they always use the final shot of the film in the trailer. Yeah, Amazing Spider-Man 2 did it as well. Yeah, Amazing Spider-Man oh, 2 God, did it with the Rhino stuff. Um, Wonder Woman did it with the flying stuff. Um, I'm pretty sure Homecoming did it. It used like the final swinging shot in the trailer. It's like, stop using that shot in the trailer. Homecoming and Ragnarok in particular had all of the big reveals and big bits. Again, talking of Wonder Woman, they threw in the fact that she rocks up in Batman mm. vs Superman in the trailer. Yes. I think they just don't oh. trust, they didn't trust yeah. the material. I think you're right. And they just chuck it all in to think, oh, we'll throw everything in to show all we, that we've got and hopefully people turn up. Yeah, it's... Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, it got me into a cure for wellness, but I don't yeah. think I've ever sat down and watched it since. And It is a good all, trailer. Literally I all I can it. say, yeah, literally all I can say to people is eels. <laughs> yeah, what, why, why are you saying eels? What does that mean? <laughs> It's, you cryptic bastard. It's part of the plot. It's <laughs> explain. Well, in, in the over-explanation, they explain that all of these people are insane because of eels. Wow. You should watch the Mighty Boosh episode that involves okay. eels. You should watch that. That's well, pretty good. Should I go next? Should I talk about mine then, yeah? Take us away. Because then we'll, we'll try and get through mine <laughs> yeah. at the end. So mine is, uh, it, might, it may come as no surprise to you, Ben, I think he knows what I'm going to go for. This film, I really, it's a little bit cliched for me really, but I couldn't really ignore it because it's sort of like the the original disappointment of my life, let alone films, like the first, like it ushered in, I think this film ushered in an age of like, Cynicism for me, you know, <laughs> that lasted decades. Yeah, <laughs> this was the this was kind of the trigger that brought that aspect of <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, because previously I'd been, you know, a relatively, uh, you know, outgoing, positive uh, little kid, and then I watched Star Wars: The Phantom Menace. <laughs> um, I thought we might get this one. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, a little bit cliche. It's a lot of people's most disappointing film, obviously, but it really, it really did uh, disappoint me a hell of a lot because I remember number one how much hype there was for this film. It was off the, it was off the scale for the time. Uh, it was off the scale by today's standards we're, we're used to you know we're used to hype we're used to the whole hype machine the trailers the planned hype you know we'll release teaser trailer a we'll release tra- official trailer b you know and it's a whole machine but back then it was a little bit more simple the internet wasn't as uh, widely available well yeah because didn't people buy tickets to other films just to yes. watch the phantom Men- menace trailer and then leave that's mental Absolutely, when you think about yeah. it <laughs> Absolutely, because um, you know most people didn't have broadband internet. I I had I think we were still on fifty six k, which is like the type of internet that you you, you use. And I it have the phone line. Yeah, <laughs> that's what Ben's using at the moment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and so it was really difficult to get hold of the trailer. It was available online, but most people thought, oh, let's go in. It's at the front of such and such a film. Let's go and see see the trailer that way uh such was the you know hype for a new star wars film i was so into star wars as well it was like i was really into the original trilogy i was i was i heard that they were making a new one and i got even more into it as a result i read like the extended universe books that i'd released um up to that point and i remember the premiere of the trailer in the uk right and it was like does anyone remember the big breakfast does remember anyone remember that show don't it was so. like, yeah, it was. It was probably, it probably a bit too old for you guys, but like, it was like a morning television show, like a breakfast TV show, basically on Channel Four, and it was kind of a little bit more comedy mm. type. Like, it, it was, it was more fun, basically, and I really like the Big Breakfast. Um, you know, YouTube it. <laughs> uh, there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of footage out there. But anyway, they had like an entire two hour show devoted to Star Wars because they were going to show the premiere. 
and like before school it was like a friday i think and it was like i was i got up started watching the big breakfast and it was star wars day they had ray park in you know in the in the in the garden and he was doing like lightsaber skills and stuff they had fans uh talking about star wars they had all sorts going on it was like really good like proper festival atmosphere just for the trailer and then they released the trailer and i watched it and i videotaped it and watched it again and again and again and again and i was like this is incredible like this is gonna be so good that trailer trailer, that first trailer is great yeah like it's like this is gonna be good you know every legend has a beginning it's sick exactly and yeah i was the hype was just through the roof with everyone everyone was like really really looking forward to this film um you know i even went i remember going to like the local library and going onto pcs there to access the internet and and going on to starwars.com and printing out pages from the website <laughs> because it had like loads of lore stuff like about like the different creatures and different droids that were going to be in Phantom Menace and stuff and all the characters. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to print it out and like find out. Anyway, uh, the film came out. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first, the the, the uh, I watched. It. I didn't watch it at the cinema first because it came out in America first, like a good few months before uh, the UK, I think. So I got a dodgy copy on VHS, and it wasn't the best quality. But I was like hyped for it. I was like, yes, I've got the Phantom Menace. I'm going to watch it. I've got the I've got the VHS. Stuck it into my video player. I was like, yes, this is going to be amazing. I can't believe it. And I watched the film. And I and I, and I watched it. I was like, yeah, this is this is good. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. Oh, they have the the lightsaber fights were good and and Jar Jar Binks and <laughs> yeah and yeah Darth Maul was cool and I like this and but I remember like the credits rolling and even then thinking something's wrong with this film <laughs> this doesn't feel like star wars i can't put my finger on it but something's really really badly wrong with this film and it was like i realized that i just entered a state of denial <laughs> <laughs> and it was like it, it it wasn't just disappointing it was straight up like tragic how bad, how bad the film was you, you, and how you were picking up that something was wrong because was you know pick- your, your was- midichlorian count was just so high. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, it was like for ages I couldn't put my finger on it, and it was like. But then it sunk in, and I watched it again and again. I was like, came to the conclusion ultimately that this film was actually really bad. Like it just <laughs> failed on so many. Like the characters were so dry. Jar, Jar Binks was so boring. The plot was weird as hell it was like it's meant for children but it's about trade and (laughs) politics and it's like what and it was just not star wars the way i remembered it all the magic had gone and it was just so so disappointing and i think everyone felt that way for for like everyone felt like that about the phantom menace and then the rest of the films came out the other prequel films and that kind of idea is just like compounded because george lucas never really rescued it from the phantom menace really i was gonna um, i, was I gonna don't know say, revenge of the sith is good i was i was just about to say you know what's you know what's the most disappointing thing about the phantom menace is that attack of the clones is somehow worse <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah that's just it it's like that the phantom menace at least used like practical sets and locations and wasn't as obsessed with green screen like uh, like the attack of the clones there are several scenes where it's obviously just two two people on a sound stage like with droid factories yeah exactly and it just looks so fake and the best thing about the original trilogy was all the practical effects and like the the tangibility of the whole universe it felt like more of a more real <laughs> place whereas like the prequels it just felt like a video game and with all that no hype though, to it. like it it was so built up do you think anything was ever really going to live up to that though because that that sounds like on another level I think a cohere a coherent good film would have sufficed, and it and it's like Phantom Menace is shockingly bad. Oh, yeah. it's okay. Like, it's you know. shocking. But then again, I was just about to say I'm coming that I'm coming at Phantom Menace from someone who didn't grow up with the original Star Wars. Yeah. I got into them much later in life. Like they were my first films, so like I just kind of took them as is. I I expected nothing from them. Yeah. I mean, I think that I think at least with the other two films, Attack of the Clones and Revenge, at least there's something a bit campy and a bit fun going on there. And there's like, you know, obviously it's become very memeable in recent <laughs> years, and people have kind of warmed towards the prequels because of like the the fact that childhood the, the, the meme potential with 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 them. 
Uh, yeah, and a lot of people grew up with them. Who who I did I wasn't really growing up with them. I was kind of I was they they were part of my sort of teenage years and getting yeah. and turning into a cynical bitter adult. <laughs> uh, and th- yeah, this was the first stage of disappointment for me. I think <laughs> in terms of, it, it made me realise that like hype is real and it doesn't necessarily and people lie to you, you know? <laughs> and like stuff doesn't always like work out the way you expect it and stuff and it's like that was my first kind of lesson in that respect uh, i mean um, what what watching because before i went to go see rise of skywalker i watched through all of the star wars films in a day and it was the first time i'd watched the prequels in like nearly 10 years probably and uh I'd, I'd you know i was a part of a lot of the group the sort of like facebook groups and like online groups who would just talk about them and I, I remember one thing that came up a lot was like how bad the cgi is in attack of the clones and i was like i mean it's not perfect but i don't remember it being that bad and then i watched attack of the clones and phantom menace and was like oh my god this is horrible why do the clone troopers look like that you are difficult to look at <laughs> it looks like a straight video game doesn't it what's yeah. wrong so with you it looks like... worse than a video like the star wars games that came out of that time looks better than that <laughs> what's wrong with you that, that at least that was a person in a costume though ben you know it wasn't just some cgi monstrosity like that what the hell an attack of the clones that chef thing that meets oh, i think you mean uh, dexter Obi-Wan. jetster Dexter Jetster just like put some respect on his name. Yeah. <laughs> like it's clearly you what do you know? into a tennis ball on a stick and like <laughs> But yeah, yeah. Um Yeah, I think that's kind of why they had to do that's <laughs> That's kind of what they had to do do what they did with the Force Awakens though, because the hype was back with the Force Awakens and they knew they had to play it safe and just make it competent film a fun film and that's what they did and that's why star wars that's why force awakens was so safe and that it has its critics for that reason the sequels are another story good lord <laughs> but like but yeah um it, it's kind of mad how differently they approached phantom menace and force awakens like force awakens feels very related to the original films like not just in plot but in like style and like just I think it's more of maybe like props and ships and stuff. Like it feels more related to them. Sure. Whereas it feels like with Phantom Menace, they would actively try and like, let's do something new. Like we're yeah, going to yeah. kind of distance yeah. ourselves from those. And it's like to George's credit, <laughs> every, every film did something new and yes. different villains, different locations, different vehicles. That's George's. He always tried to move forward with Star Wars, which is yeah. the total opposite of the Sorry. Disney era. The to- <laughs> it's the, the, it's oh. yeah. the, like people like the Mandalorian, but there's nothing. There's nothing really new in the Mandalorian. It's just rehash stuff done well. But the whole Disney era is rehashing, man. For the most part. In in, in a weird way, though, I I, I respect uh, you know the prequels because they were really trying. To do, they did try and do something different. It was George Lucas's vision, and you know, yeah. for better or worse, at least it's one one guy's kind of like ideas and not really compromised. Uh, they're bad, Christian but at least they're coherent. Like a ninety-minute pod race that was. They're, they're, like, they're, <laughs> yeah, at least, at least uh, they took a big swing and a miss. Yeah. Uh, apparently, the original—I don't know if it's the original script or the original cut for *The Phantom Menace*—was was a four and a half hour film, and ninety minutes of it were pod racing. I just don't believe like, that. Is insane. Surely he never like that's got to be like a draft. Like surely he never intended to release that. I, I. Like, I know of, he's a madman, but come it, on now. If if it is a cut and someone still has the footage out there, I would absolutely love for someone to put the four-hour version together just to see what that would look like. Like what? Jo- like I just want to see what George Lucas had in his head when he wrote that film to see if it makes it more coherent or oh, if it's it. just if if it's just like. 30 minutes of action and then a 90 minute pod race and the rest of it is all politics <laughs> at least the, the the prequels as well they gave us the behind the scenes dvd extras are really good and mm. they gave us I know where you're going with this they gave us memeable moments within that but also the prequels gave us the mr plinkett red letter media reviews which is they are the definitive 
if you're a Star Wars fan, you must watch the Mr. Plean Kit reviews. They are, I think they are essential say, viewing. Yeah, I was going to say, actually, like, that, that the moment I watched those Plinkit reviews is very cathartic yeah. because, yeah. like, a lot of people agree, have this have a similar opinion as me as to how let down they felt with the Planet Menace. And then the Plinkit reviews just condensed every. No one quite knew what, what was wrong with the Phantom Menace. We were 10 years out from it. You know, we were still recovering from the, the, uh, the, prequel trilogy as a whole and this new world of the new star wars and then the the plinket reviews came along and it was a very kind of like experience because it just condensed everything everyone's fear everyone's um uh, complaints everyone's kind of confusion it 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 made it coherent and (laughs) (laughs) specific details of why it's bad on every level yeah i don't i don't think we necessarily like this whole idea of like youtube criticism and film criticism video essays and things like that they the plinket reviews red letter media started all that and maybe we've got a lot we've got so in 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 a way if it wasn't for the phantom menace guys none of this (laughs) none of this would be here (laughs) i've always said this about every one of the prequels like they may not be great as a whole film but each one of them has something great about them like phantom menace not a great film, but it does have Darth Maul. It does have Jewel of the Fates. Yeah. The pod racing stuff is good. I yeah. really like Qui-Gon Jinn. <laughs> really fucking boring. Like... He's so boring. There's nothing to Qui-Gon James take. I just think he's a nice guy. He's nice. He's wise. Just a nice guy. He's a Jedi, man. You want him to have some character. You want him to, you want him to have some like you know, like know, power about him, some sort of charisma about him. I thought he did. He's just a bloke. He's just a guy. Maybe it's just Liam Neeson's voice tricked me. Definitely. (laughs) The whole film's one big Jedi mind trick. He should have been like some proper, like, (laughs) likable guy so that when he did die, you were, oh no, now Qui-Gon's dead. What, like, uh, what's Obi-Wan going to do? Who's dead? Like, (laughs) sorry. I'm never going to get over how you say (laughs) Qui-Gon. 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 Palpatine. Palpatine. What do I actually say? You say Palpatine and Qui-Gon Jinn. Palpatine. It's... Qui-Gon. I think earlier you said, like, Bar Jar Binks as well. I think earlier you said that. Yeah, I think you said Jar Bar Jinx. Bar Jar Jinx. I didn't say Jar... I said Jar Jar Binks. I don't think you, like... This is a mispronunciation. I think you just had a slip of the tongue. You called him some, like, Jar Bar Jinx or something like that. Jar Bar Jinx. Better name. Go on, then. We'll move on from Star Wars. Ben, what film disappointed you the most? I don't know if it disappointed me the most, but it did disappoint me as, like, when I was a child... This was like the first one I fully kind of clocked on because the prequels, I was about four and I was the pretty colours washed over me as a four year old and I enjoyed the pod race. (laughs) I didn't think about the film as a whole. But in 2006, they, (laughs) Brian Singer came off X-Men 2. He was on a hot streak. He left the X-Men to then to resurrect Superman. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to say Last Stand. No, 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 no. He was because <laughs> so coming off X Men Two, he said, "I'm going to resurrect the Christopher Reeve universe of Superman." And as a, a little boy who liked superhero films, I think this is like the first time somebody has returned to the well in terms of films. You know, because it hasn't, like, they didn't return Maybe, to Michael yeah. Keaton after decades. This is, like, the first time. So we've got Brian Singer's on the hot streak, the Christopher Reeve universe. The suit looked pretty good, especially at the time, if you're living in that spandex good leather suit. post-Matrix era. The suit looks pretty good. <laughs> Kevin Spacey was Lex Luthor at the time. That was a good thing. It's a great, it's a great casting. He took away the actor of Cyclops to save his save, you know, because he was not in the X Men movies barely, and thought, well, if he's taking him with him, and he's like, I'm gonna do this, and the trailer looks amazing, like the the gunshot in the eye, the the plane sequence looked astounding. It was Superman with modern special effects, and it looked really good, 
and I, and it was this like oh my god it's it's actually superman it's the music i'm i'm i think i'm like how old am i at this point <laughs> i think i'm 10 years old this is astounding i can't believe i'm going to see this again and it's the most fucking boring film like in the world <laughs> it's so boring and it's just like all the cast are ri- i can't i haven't seen the film in years it's maybe worth the rewatch i think all the cast are pretty poor mate i don't know about spacey but like, it's all really poor and oh like they even like had old unused marlon brando dialogue i, like, I don't, brando I don't mind brandon routh superman I, don't, I can't remember as much i, I can't really remember but like <laughs> lois lane especially she is not margot kitter she is not in that you know that actress unfortunately yeah. she was the wrong actress for it and it's just like this boring film where he's like moping around just the whole film creeping on lois lane staring at her <laughs> from afar and it's it's another lex luther land plot which we had in the first superman film and it's just and then it's just like oh it's just like so i can't i just couldn't believe like brian singer left he's like oh he's doing x-men 2 oh my god he's doing superman and it and then he just makes the most boring film and it's just like oh no <laughs> it was a, it made me really sad as a kid there's a reason they put the plane and the bullet in the trailer it's all all there was that was it I was like oh man (laughs) see I um, I I, I also remember this film fairly vividly because I remember at the time my mum big Superman fan she was like right I'll sit you down and we'll watch the first three like Christopher Reeve Supermans and then we'll go see this so we watched the Christopher Reeve ones. I really enjoyed them. I was like, cool, let's go see Superman Returns. Um, and we went to go see it um, at the IMAX. Uh, and I'd never been to the IMAX before. So this was my first IMAX experience watching Superman Returns. It was going to be great because, you know, all the special effects blown up big on the screen, 3D glasses. It was going to be fantastic. You know, they they did that IMAX thing that they used to do back in the day where a, a guy used to stand at the front and tell you how great the IMAX was. Um, <laughs> I forgotten about that. And, th- and then he added on the end, he was like, um, because of the technology and how new it is, um, that all, not all the film can be in 3D, but don't worry, we'll tell you when to take on and off your 3D glasses. Um, so not only did I have the joy of watching the worst Superman film... <laughs> in the world maybe <laughs> i don't know quest for peace is I was gonna say also a good contender <laughs> um but not only did i have the, the joy of being disappointed by that superman film but also it would be like a talking sequence one of the really boring like interactions between clark and lois or whatever and you'd have your 3d glasses on and then all of a sudden the superman music would kick in it'd be like can you please remove your 3D glasses? That's awful. It was awful. It was why horrible. It, uh, why do they have to like pause the audio? Surely they can just have like a little subtitle like, oh, remove yeah, glasses. Yeah, I, I, they, they were like, uh, well, a little picture did come up in the corner, and it's like the little picture was enough. Oh, that's yeah. awful. That's terrible. Better than the film, though, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> it, it made for. A, that memory, which oh, yeah. I look back That's and laugh on, just the fact that you'd watch an entire boring conversation in 3D, and then all of a sudden it'd be like, and now Superman's going to stop a plane, so you're going to have to remove your 3D glasses because <laughs> we, co- we couldn't turn it in 3D. That would be the best bit to be in 3D. Because <laughs> I think, like, when you said this, Ben, I was like, oh, really? I don't, I don't remember it being that bad. Because, but when I think about it, all I really remember is the plane sequence. Yeah. That's all it's got. Because it's such a nothing <laughs> film. There's nothing else. He doesn't punch anything in the whole film. Yeah, literally the rest. <laughs> I think you might be right, yeah. There's nothing for him to fight. There's no... It's just like... I was going to say, pe- <sighs> people criticise Superman 3, but even Superman 3 had that great bit where he fights himself in that scrapyard. <laughs> yeah, and he's at the bar flicking the peanuts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's great. And it's Richard Pry- Richard Pryor's in it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think we've, you know, talked about the films that have already disappointed us enough, probably. I think we can uh, push that to one side now. So let's just prepare for future disappointment. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> let, for our dessert this week, we thought we'd discuss... Uh, the hypothetical is, 
of all the films that are coming out in 2021, or maybe we'll push it further, any film that's been announced and we know is coming, in like what's the way it could disappoint you the most? Like, what would they have to do to be the biggest disappointment for you? Uh, does anyone want to take us away, or shall I just go for mine? You yeah, go, go, mate. Go you me go. go. I'll go. Okay. Um, for me, you know, I'll stick to my bread and butter, the classics that uh, I love. So I'm going to go down the superhero route. And it's a film that we've already mentioned on an excited pod, on the most anticipated ones. You know, clearly, there's the hype there. I'm ready for it to come out. I think, for me, the way they could really disappoint me with Black Widow is oh. if it's just a bit generic. Like, it's we've waited so long for it now. Actually give us some sort of, like, Winter Soldier vibes. Like, I want them to lean into the spy thriller type thing. So I just think if they go down the route of, oh, yeah, like, it's just a bit like every other superhero film, then I would be quite disappointed by that. I would like them to take this opportunity to do something a bit different, do a new form and genre, and run with that like they did with Winter Soldier. And Scarlett Hansen was great in that, so she can be great in this as well. Because I think that's, yeah, that's yeah. exactly what they'll do. This is yeah. this is why I'm kind of putting it in here, because I am already a little bit nervous that's what we're going I, to get. I, mm. I do think it will end up being fairly generic... Um, hopefully they will sort of bring back that sort of Winter Soldier vibe and lean into the the spy, espionage, thrillery stuff a bit more. But from what the trailer shows, I think they're just leaning... I, I, it looks like they're leaning more into the superhero action than the spy thriller. I, like, I, I don't want a complete spy film because, you know, I died, you know, it's Black Widow. There's no point doing a Marvel film if you're not going to have some superhero tropes. I'm fine if there's a big final set piece that goes balls to the wall and certain that but I would I would like tell you what the main thing is I want great hand to hand combat because that's what Captain America gave us and we've seen Black Widow do that get some really good choreography in there bring in the person who did Birds of Prey because the choreography is great in that film yeah because I think she's fighting people that are experienced as her aren't they other Black Widows so you'd think there'd be a God, Lots of so. flips really and so. the leg lock around the neck and the, yeah, man. the yeah. tumbles. <laughs> They're all just doing that to each other. Yeah, everyone's just doing that. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that um, the, the team that did Birds of Prey is the same guys that do the John Wick films. Yes, I think so, yeah. You wouldn't, well, they must have taken an off day for Birds of Prey. Fucking hell. They didn't put any effort in in that one, did they? The stunts are good, man. The fight yeah, like no, that scene not where she's It's not John Wick, though, is it? No, it's not John Wick. Because it's not Margot Robbie doing it, so like, there's only so much they can do. But the scene where she like attacks the police lockups really good. It's not John Wick though, is it? No, because it's not Keanu Reeves. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like he'll appear later. It, it, there's only so far you can go, <laughs> but you can't. <laughs> there's only so far you can go, but you, you're not gonna be able to like one up a a fight with many many sharp implements in. A knife shop, <laughs> or whatever it was in John Wick Three. God, they're great films. Maybe I'll just watch them. Fuck Black Widow. <laughs> Black, Black Widow is interesting. I, I I kind of have faith in in Marvel because they're, they're in this. Is, is this technically their first phase? Is it Phase Four? It's the yeah. first film of Phase Four. Yeah, first film of Phase Four. So they they have the potential to kind of steer the direction slightly and 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 maybe do something a little bit different and maybe really lean into that spy aspect this is a pre it's a prequel obviously so how far back are we going is it full it's on between story? civil war and infinity war yes. oh right so, but i assume we're going to get some origin story yes. stuff yeah. though right and the interesting thing with black widow is that you know she apparently has a very dark history and i want i'd quite like to see some of that i really That'd hope they cool. show it, some you know dark kind of stuff that she's had to do um to you know for whatever whoever she was working for because she was like i don't really get like how the superpowers work in the marvel universe she doesn't have was any. she russian or she's not got any it's not got any superpowers but it did it, it did though didn't it there is still like a rivalry between the united states and russia for instance oh right? i thought you meant like superpowers oh, like hulk and you know captain so, marvel uh, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> to the two countries yeah. um no, i don't know i'd yeah, assume it follows the same as uh, as because she was russian right she was like yeah, a, yeah. she was yeah. she's yeah. russian so she's a russian she's... like spy and assassin in the comic books and yeah yeah she ends up so, at shield so i hope we get some you know moral gray areas in there that sort of color the character of black widow at all will you be disappointed james if they bring uh if it turns out she's not dead 
Yes, it's just actually, a big joke. I think you've actually just corrected my answer. Yes, I think mm. that would be the biggest way this film could disappoint me is if they just scrap her end and end game and go, she was alive the whole time. <laughs> like they find some yeah, way to bring her back because like let death mean something. Body swap. Uh, funny though, wouldn't it? No, no, it wouldn't be funny. <laughs> would you be disappointed if the after credit scene isn't like something from another a future film that we've not seen anything from, like Spider-Man or Strange or... Uh, maybe Falcon. It'd be nice if they Falcon. set something up. Yeah. In so in summary, Black Widow could disappoint me in many many ways. <laughs> if if David Harbour yeah, isn't good in it, then what's the point? If David Harbour dies in it, then what's the point? Because Florence yes. Pugh's going to be great in it, and she's going to die in it. Now the, <laughs> the I'm calling it now the after credit scene with Flor is going to be a Florence Pugh centric. She's going to, you know, her hinting at her joining the Avengers. Yep, I, th I think there's a good chance of that, and I'm okay with it. I'd love that. I want to see more <laughs> Florence Pugh. Go on, then. Who wants to uh, take us away and tell us how they're going to be disappointed in 2021? Not me, because oh, of my recording. <laughs> <laughs> in a similar vein to Phantom Menace, this film uh, was also it was released in the same year, the original, uh, and that is The Matrix. Uh, of course. Yeah. And I really enjoyed The, the Matrix film. When it first came out, it was very new and different, and uh, I I thought it was great. It was probably one of my favourite films at the time. I really liked it, and then obviously the sequels came out, and they were sort of not as good. Um, but I'm really looking forward to Matrix Four because I feel like there's a potential there to rescue that franchise and do something a bit different with it. So I'd be disappointed in Matrix Four massively if it was just a rehash of either the first film. Or it started doing the quasi-religious kind of really quite pretentious stuff like it did in the second and third films where it really overcomplicated yeah. the plot and tried to be very mystical and very kind of, I don't know, like, I don't know what it was trying to do really. Like it was trying to be a metaphor for, I don't know, Buddhism or something, um, which it, it's a good idea in theory if you can pull it off, but they did weren't very subtle with it. And... I don't want to see the film necessarily go hard into that direction. I don't want to see this and make the same mistakes, basically. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I called it in a previous podcast, and I'm going to say it again. I really do think that The Matrix 4 is going to be The Force Awakens of The Matrix films. It's just going to be the first film, but a little bit different. Force Awakens made a lot of money. You know, yeah. film studios pay attention to that kind of stuff. I'd be more disappointed if... The, the world of the Matrix hasn't evolved. I think now we're living, we're not in the nineties anymore. If if that hasn't moved on, and like I don't think I want the agents to just be agents the same in the suits again. I'd like to have some sort of they evolution. I think they might. I think they maybe can't resist the agents. I think it'd be a shame if the rest of it hasn't evolved. And hopefully they don't wear black cloaks, you know, and something else happens. And, <laughs> They're um, absolutely going to wear black I was going to say, like, to be fair, I've only seen the first one. I've watched it once, so I'm not as big a fan as you guys. But, like, for someone a bit more outside, that's, that's like, iconic stuff. So, I, I yeah, I, th I, I think they will put it in. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think they should, I, they should, they should move it on, though. They should try to move the world on, yeah. I reckon it's just going to, you know, the film's going to open. And because it's going to have some sort of, like, poetic repetition of the Matrix all over again, they're just going to be back in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you think they're going to really sort of um, properly like emulate the original film and do really obvious stuff like bullet time where, with an agent dodging really bullets and, and, and the camera's 360 degree kind of camera they're, like they did in the first one? They're 100% going to do like callback Absolutely, sequences yeah. like that. Yeah, I think um, the one with uh, Trinity in the first, I think that's in the first like five minutes of the film and it's actually literally like multiple cameras arranged in a in a circle around... Carrie Ann Moss, I think, and it's just each one takes a yeah, different, yeah. It takes a different slightly different picture, and it looks a little bit. It's still, kind of, to be honest, a, a friend of mine said, "Oh, they watched it the other day, and that one shot looks really, really dated." Sure, I, I watched it back, and I watched it back, and it's not too I don't bad. It, it, like, it was that bad. I, I, think it's I watched too bad. it last year for the first time. No, um, but it, my thing is, it's like respect the time that that came out and how much effort they went to. Like they tried something sure. with that shot. Yeah. Yeah, that I, film uh, it won best Oscar for special effects, um, and it 
beat Phantom Menace. I remember being really upset at the time <laughs> because I was still like holding a candle for Phantom Menace, thinking it is good, it is. And the special effects were good. Turns out, nah, not even the special effects were uh, were, were as good um, as the Matrix. I was gonna say, I do absolutely think they're gonna do more of the spinning round and stuff because uh, weird weird franchise to compare it to, but. If you remember the first, if you've seen it, if you remember the first Saw film, they do that like where she's got the bear trap on her face. They do that like rapid where she's moving and it's all dead glitchy and they spin around her head several times. That is in every single <laughs> Saw film after that point because everyone was like, that one shot's really good. So they just did it again. Mm. And yeah, again. It becomes and tropes again. of the series. Yeah. But the, th- the thing is with, with Bullet Time though, if I was like the Wachowskis, I'd be thinking, do we want to do bullet time and do we want to do all that kind of stuff we did in the original because bullet time especially was so it's so it's been replicated so many times in different films video games like max Payne. it the whole (laughs) like gameplay revolves around bullet time you know it's a good game but like it's been in everything you know slowing down time and shooting stuff is very very kind of cliche now yeah they need to move on did they really want to do that again yeah is it like it's just i'd be having a real conversation about should we not have any bullet time i think people would be very disappointed if there was no bullet time yeah it's a balance isn't it absolutely just just, uh like like i said in the wonder woman review you know we're on the end of the 80s nostalgia now 80s nostalgia is definitely phasing out so now it's time for 90s nostalgia (laughs) boom bullet time and everything it's like why do people like the matrix though is the matrix good because of a camera angle or is it good because it's it's world and the characters and the story so you'd hope they would lean towards the latter (laughs) i'd say they go I, i'd say that the story and the lore of the matrix and the way the matrix films are shot go hand in hand though i'd mm. also be disappointed if the real world real world that yeah. everyone apparently truly exists in i'd be disappointed if it, that actually turns out to be the real world um i want it to be Another Matrix. Fake. I want it to be another Matrix. I, I do want them to do that. The confirm Matrix that like fan the Matrix. Yeah. I, I mean, that's definitely the direction that they seem to be going in at the end of the first Matrix because he stops those uh, little squid squid things in the real world. He just holds his hand out. Mm. Yeah, holds his hand out. <laughs> and uh, stops those squid, squid things and he's not actually hooked into the Matrix and he's just a guy. He's just, you know, Neo or whatever. So... It was weird how he was able to do that unless it really was still the Matrix. Mm. Yeah. I can't, I hope, though, because I feel like cause Morpheus apparently isn't in it. Or Lawrence yeah. Fishman isn't in it. And Hugo Weaving isn't returning as Agent Smith. That kind of does give me a bit of hope that, mm. oh, they maybe they've got something different planned and a different take, that they don't feel the, ne- the need to rehash everybody. Yeah. Unlike Star Wars. So, you know. Or, Ben, is it going to be exactly agent smith but because he's new and upgraded he has a younger face yeah a different actor and i reckon they'll choose a younger actor to do another agent smith type character and i reckon that the reason that lawrence fishburne isn't back is because keanu reeves in this repetition world neo is now the new morpheus yeah, yeah, so yeah, now yeah. neo is looking for his Neo, if that makes sense. Yeah, he's looking yeah. for the new the one. I'd be I'd be disappointed if if Neo and Trinity don't have a role to play in the plot if they don't affect the plot because that would be a real shame to bring them back. Yeah, in definitely a, will. I think I, I, I think there's a risk <laughs> Trinity will be a bit part character, mm-hmm. but like Neo will be. He must. He, he's really okay. important. Guy, Do we think they're going to try and make the name be an anagram again and call this one Eon? Okay, let's move on. <laughs> I will say, I talk, I talk about camera angles and this stuff. I think I'd be a bit disappointed if the Matrix isn't tinted green again. I really like that it was tinted yeah, green. I think they'd have to. Yeah, yeah. Come on, surely you got to make it green. Oh, it definitely will. Surely. Yeah, yeah. You've got to have the I'm code, ca- right? Do you have to have the <laughs> yeah. code? Surely, yeah. right? You definitely have to have the code. Surely. So that's how the film, the film opens uh, with the code. Surely, yeah. It's yeah. like, yes, we're back, it's Matrix. Surely. Get the theme. I want another Rage Against the Machine song. Another. <laughs> throw it in. I'm, I'm telling you, '90s nostalgia. It's it's. Limp Biscuit's coming back. To, yeah, it's about to all come back. It's <laughs> it's going to be great. Guy Fieri's going to love it because he's still living in the '90s. <laughs> Go on, Christian. What film do you think is going to disappoint you most in 2021? 
Um, oh, what film do I think is going to disappoint? Well, um, oh no, sorry. It, how would a film <laughs> disappoint you the most? There was a couple I could talk about here, but I think I'm going to go with um, Candyman because uh, okay. it was oh, meant to come right. out this year. It yeah. was meant to come out last year, obviously. And now it's going to come out this year, and I'm really hoping that it's going to be like a new sort of revival of this great character. You know, they're bringing Tony Todd back, who's great. The the problem is that the trailer doesn't, even though they're bringing Tony Todd back and you hear his voice, the trailer doesn't sort of specifically state that he still is Candyman. I was gonna say I felt the trailer hints that the main character, the lead role, is gonna is becoming the Candyman. So yeah, I'm I'm scared. I'm scared for two reasons. Number one, um, I the one of the ways they could disappoint me is by sort of reducing Tony Todd to a literal background cameo. And number two um, is if they do what they've done with many other sort of horror icons in some film, in some cases and just turn them into a generic sort of slasher character. Mm. They're, they're just a, gene- you know, it was... It's one of the, the things that I've noticed a few films. Um, one of the ones that I can pull from is I sat down and watched the really, really horrendous Slenderman film, <laughs> which came way later than Slenderman was popular. But the most disappointing aspect of that entire film is the fact that they have been like, oh, it's Slenderman, but then they've ignored all of Slenderman's lore and the stuff written about him, and it's just a generic... Yeah. sort of ghost demonic film and th- I think the way that they could disappoint me the most with Candyman is if I come out and I'm like yeah that was just a generic he's interchangeable horror with slasher. anyone else yeah, yeah. You, you could you could put an entirely new character in there and it would be the same movie I've not seen the original what is his like MO like what's what's what makes him different from these other generic ones then it's weird because Candyman is unlike other sort of slashes. He's sympathetic. Yeah, he's not really out antagonist. to kill you. Yeah. Oh, okay. He, he's he's not out to kill you. He's we kind of, he kind of it's yeah. he's, he's a different one. He's not fully like he's not Freddy and Jason or Michael Myers. Because but and that that's what worries me about this trailer is the fact that the the trailer for the new one. It's like, oh, if you say Candyman in the mirror, he'll just come out and kill you. And then he just seems to come out and kill a bunch of people. It's like, that's not what Candyman is, though. Like, he does come out and he does torment people, but he's he's looking for someone to... He's he's looking to repeat a cycle. But it's like, he's, he's not out to kill you. He, he wants to give you pleasure because the, the pain is exquisite. He was like, the pain will be exquisite. Yeah. It's it's very because it's Clive Barker right, and he did Hellraiser. Okay. And it's the same. It's the same idea, really. Yeah, yeah. That the because like his background as a character is um, he's uh, a slave who fell in love with a white woman, and because he fell in love with a white woman, he was burned at the stake pretty much and beaten and tortured and his hands cut off and all sorts. So he's essentially out for revenge yeah. on. Okay on those that have tormented him and stuff. Yeah. So. Ben, did you want to do one? Or... Yeah, I'll try and get one yeah. in. Try and okay. do it really quick. Okay, go on, go on. Mine uh, isn't a film. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> I'm joking. It's a, <laughs> you could say it's like a potentially... It's. I think they're treating it as a long film. I'm really petrified about the Obi-Wan series. Yes. For Disney+. Uh, no, to be fair, no, I've got faith in them. No. If, <laughs> no. 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 If... Like there's not a lot, oh god, there's there's quite a little bit, a lot they could do to really scare me. If he leaves Tatooine, I, I don't know what I'm gonna. I was <laughs> like, what are you doing? There's like clear implications that his role, his mission is to watch over Luke on Tatooine, and if he goes off Tatooine to go and hunt down Vader for a fight because they want to have Hayden Christensen in the show again, it's like, oh my god, no, please, no. But I'm also I, at the same level. I'm also sick of looking at Tatooine. I was just about to Star say you hate Tatooine. <laughs> yeah, so I, the I, whole thing. I'm, I don't want. I don't want the show to exist. To be honest, because <laughs> well, because the the idea is Obi Wan clearly didn't do anything, and he sat and meditated in his hut and looked at Luke for a little bit, not in a pervy way, but you know he just watched from afar, not in a pervy <sighs> way. 
but then they're gonna have him like get involved with stuff aren't they and have him do stuff it should well, yeah, just, he's got it to just... do something I, yeah but the reckon... show shouldn't exist because they feel that they have yeah, to he, do something he, he needs to protect uh luke from other other things on tatooine that might be uh you know to his disadvantage like what if there's some weird little jabber thing that's trying mm. to get luke and uh obi-wan has to infiltrate another Jabba's palace or something and assassinate see the the way I see it is number one I reckon he is completely going to leave Tatooine oh god no Um, (laughs) I don't see the problem I I, I see it as a sort of his mission is to protect Luke yeah Yeah, but what if like what if he has to go off world to protect him the the way that I the, the way that I see it is panning out is number one I expect it to be wholly a limited series one time Mm. thing yeah Please don't make more than one season. And number two, I I expect it to be the reason that he's leaving is it's a tying up loose ends so that he can just hide on Tatooine. I see him as going off and closing the book on a lot of different things so that he can return to Tatooine, erase his past, and live as a hermit. I think you can protect someone by leaving world. Like, say if... I don't, I don't know exactly how it could pan out, but like for some reason he knows that there's someone on another planet that is planning to tell... Oh, no, here's one. Someone discovers Luke on Tatooine and they run to tell Vader, so he has to chase them down and follow them and make sure they never get to Vader. There you go, Ben. Like nobody, but nobody world. like knows that Luke is the son of Vader. Nobody knows. Nobody knows out. that Vader is Anakin. I, nobody knows I, that Luke exists or that he's on the farm. I, it's like... It's I just think that weak. That, ah, it can be done. I think that Vader. Yeah, poorly. I think <laughs> that Vader is going to pop up. I'm hoping that there, if there is at all any interaction between him and Obi Wan, I hope it's like minimal. No, they're going to have a um, fight. They're going to do it. They're going to have them have a big fight a again. Modern fight between them. Oh god! But, no. Um, no. Just watch a fan we film, James. There's a fan film of that. Just watch the fan film. Yeah, but I want to watch one with a budget. I want to. I want to watch you and McGregor do it. But um. No. I I, I think I don't think that Vader is going to be the series antagonist, if you get what I mean. Mm. I reckon that the main loose end would probably be someone like Commander Cody. Oh yeah, there was that theory floating around and I'd love that. There's no like there's no personal vendetta between the two. He was just doing his job and because he has the chip in his head to just shoot him down. He doesn't like he might as well go after all the clones that do it. It's just a, it's a bit weird. I don't know. He and Cody had more of a relationship than I know. Every but other it, clone. I was going to say it's like, but Obi Wan's not were... the t- the type to have a vendetta and go after somebody. I don't think it's no, a vendetta. I don't think it's him. a vendetta. I think it's a maybe he's going to try and convince Cody or try and remove the chip or do something like that. And in the end, it's going to end up with him having to take Cody out. I will because, say, like, if Hayden's in it, it would be a shame to not do any uh, Clone Wars flashbacks oh in live God, action. Yeah, I, I, so I, I, I reckon they're both do still flashbacks. quite young looking. Uh, that would be a shame to not. Because then you could off. establish in live action yeah. that they actually are mm. good friends and he was a good friend. Like, you could actually they're, show that in live action. That'd be a bit of a shame. Not, yeah, you could, have, you could gonna, have Rosario Dawson in it as well, as Ahsoka. They're not going to bring back Hayden Christensen and then have him in the. Darth Vader suit the entire time because that would be a waste of bringing mm. him back. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I think mo- his role will mostly be in flashbacks. I think. And I will say though, because we're going because it's on Tatooine and they haven't done it yet. What, just I want to see Watto and Sabulba. <laughs> I want to see like at least show me what like at least show me what they're getting up to. Come on. <laughs> Isn't Sabulba? Didn't he die? Didn't Sabulba die? No, he no, said Poodle. No. It is pod racer. <laughs> the, the camera cut away. He what? didn't die. <laughs> what, what happens uh, when? Okay. Uh, <laughs> what, <laughs> what happens now when they bring Jar Jar back? Do it. Give us Darth Jar Jar. Do it. We've been waiting for so long. Just do it, you cowards. I, I don't know if they're going to do Darth Jar Jar. I think we're going to have to wait for Star Wars Visions for that. Oh, I, I want think it to be as well. Would it so be... bad. I'm not. Sh- I think they shouldn't really have. Luke in it, I, like in Rebels, they handle it, the Obi-Wan stuff, perfectly in Rebels, and Luke in and Rebels is perfect I think. It'd be quite cool if Luke isn't really in it. However, if Luke's gonna be in it, would it be a shame to not have Luke hang out with his Tatooine mates, like Biggs and stuff? Would that be a shame? Yeah, Cause they're gonna be in it because they're gonna, uh, like, Luke's gonna be what, like, ten or something in this? Yeah. And he's gonna be a kid, like, I don't even know actually. Like, be ten because it's set ten 18, years. 19, no, it's ten because it? it's set ten years after Sith, this show, so... 
Right, okay. He'll be so he's going to be like a little kid. He'll be little it's Annie. Be like one of these. Jake Lloyd. Yeah. I've not seen. Yeah. I've not seen. You know, I'm going to put it out there. I haven't seen like all of Clone Wars or Rebels or anything. But do you reckon that he's going to go check up on Leia at some point as well? Which no. means that we'll finally see no. Alderaan. No. And what that we've seen looks like not we've seen older have we yeah in the end of sith um bale gives leia to his wife but i think it'd be a big shame as well if qui-gon isn't in it as well <laughs> teaching <laughs> teaching obi-wan how to be a ghost and it'd be a shame that he and yoda aren't in it That'd and i think it'd be a shame teaching how to be a ghost <laughs> yeah yeah that is a thing, I, I, Christian. That is it. No, they, they don't just get yeah. to do it. They do have to train. <laughs> if I said it, no, 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 I, I, it. I, 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 get, I get it, but it was just a way that he phrased that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like if if like to have like Joel Edgerton not return as Uncle Owen, and maybe him and Obi Wan don't like each other because Uncle Owen's like you're responsible. Like that'd be cool to have some tension between them and have them return would be quite nice. But I just, the show shouldn't exist anyway. But you know, oh dear. <laughs> So that's the way it's going to disappoint you by existing. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Rebels did it. Rebels handled it perfectly. Rebels did it perfectly. So they should have left it. But they can't. They can't. They can't. <laughs> yeah. They can't leave it alone. Fucking hell. And on that positive note, <laughs> I think that's about time to wrap up. Do we agree? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I'm going to go and cry. After uh, however long this turns out being rant. Uh, please like and subscribe what we do here. It really means a lot to us. <laughs> really like does. It really does. Icon. Just hit just everything do down there. Hit yeah. it, comment. If you want to watch Dan mispronounce Star Wars names, stay tuned. What will he come up with next week? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's loads more to come. Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> but for now, that is us. That is it from us here at Placeman from Pluto. So until uh, next time, goodbye. See you later. Yeah, well, Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Oh, 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 oh,